welcome to Up and Comers, a special edition of Testimony, a Musician Story, featuring artists that you may or may not know. If you don't know them, you're about to know them. Let's get started. Snow, you drink your coffee while I smoke. I love you, laugh, you like my jokes. We argue about which place to go. I don't know what else there is to know. It's a girl's girlfriend, and boys turn to stone. Yeah, I said, girl's girlfriend, and boys turn to stone. Up and comer Charles Macon Hatton is one of six kids. All of his siblings have names that start with an M. Obviously, except for Charles. To make up for that, everyone calls him by his middle name, Macon. Macon was born October 28, 1984, in Beaumont, Texas. All six siblings were raised by both parents in a strict conservative Christian home. Quite conservative. Uh, definitely some good Christian uh, morals and ethics that I was brought up in, but it, some of it was kind of strange as well. <laughs> uh, just a lot of, especially in the independent Baptist realm, uh, a lot of the practices, the culture of that type of church um, becomes very cultish. It's uh, very moral, morally deistic, so uh, morality becomes God rather than God becoming God and grace and, and all those things um, that, that play into it. They, they just kind of put those aside. And If you follow their set of rules, uh, then you're great and you're going to heaven, and if you don't abide by their rules, then you're not going to make it. So pretty strict kind of believing. I was born in a home full of things like a dog without a bone and a throne in a cage I was so confused Me and me and my sick going to church Working till your fingers never, never seen it hurts It was so untrue, yeah, yeah But now I'm looking back and it all makes sense What makes me who I am is my experience Being forced to live a doctrine that Macon felt was cultish gave him the perfect excuse to rebel. I think a lot of things came into factor with my rebellion during my teenage years. It wasn't just the religious part, but uh, that was, you know, obviously a part of my rebellion was against religious things um, and any sort of truth, anything that anyone told me. I think I, I just realized a lot of inconsistencies and a lot of the people that were telling me that I should be doing these certain things and their explanation of the thing I think was so and so based on their performance that if they didn't perform well, uh, then, then I was drawn to their hypocrisy rather than the truth. Um, so I think it just burnt me and I kind of ran from it for, uh, for a long time. A lot of those folks did not do the best job, but as I sought truth, 
in God on my own, I, I discovered a lot more about those things that I had, I'd never really understood before because I'd only listened from other people and hadn't really sought that truth on my own. You know, always a class clown, just attention. Man, I was just attention deficit. I needed constant attention, so I would do whatever it took to get that. Um, sometimes that was, you know, just being a goofball. Other times it was breaking the rules uh, to every extreme that I could. Got a lot of fights. My brothers and I, you know, delved in a lot of drug activity uh, type stuff and got in a lot of fights through that as well in some pretty risky situations. So, I mean, I was doing all sorts of stuff. I was experimenting with, with marijuana, with cocaine, with ecstasy, mushrooms, just anything really uh, that I could get my hands on. I, I, and looking back now, you know, it's easier, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty. Uh, looking back now and all those things that I was involved in and trying to figure out why in the moment, I didn't know why. I just knew I wanted to escape my reality. I mean, I hate to say it, I love my parents. I've, I've forgiven them for, for lots of things. But, I mean, I was I was forgotten a lot, I think, in, in the midst of all the craziness. I think my dad's punishment approaches to, or his entire punishment approach to all of us was very... Uh, unified. It wasn't individual, so he punished us all the same rather than going, oh, this punishment works for you, but it doesn't work for you. You know, let me be uh, involved in your lives as individuals and know you and know you, what you respond to and let me cultivate that and nourish and help you grow. Um, and so it was crazy, man. He was gone a lot. And then um, when he was there, there was just a lot of punishment a lot of correction, not a lot of uh, gentleness, and uh, it did get physical at times, and so my brothers and I just, uh, our reaction to that was just to rebel, you know, as much as we could. Time has spread so far, time has spread so wide, consuming everything in its path. Consideration, no concern, letting any good thing last. But the other side of the coin is it also consumes the bad. So the time I say slow down, and the time I tip my Like what you're hearing so far? Check us out at TestimonyStories.com. That's TestimonyStories.com. Where you can hear content for you and about you. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a testimony. And we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. 
looks but doesn't see you know She hurts so bad but doesn't bleed oh no Prison yet we all are free yeah, yeah. On the outside come in peace oh yeah. Hi, this is Macon Hatton, and you are listening to Testimony, a musician's story. Shadow broken, giving when I want. I lean back on you when I am a strong. Broken pieces form a greater bond. From sixth grade until his junior year of high school, Macon lived an obscured life. Then one day, he had an intense conversion experience. Coming down off of methamphetamines, I was kind of, I think I was on my third or fourth day of, of being awake, not sleeping at all, um, kind of on the back end of that high and crashing, and uh, just kind of, you know, it hit me. I think I was, I think if I really got to the bottom of, of what I was doing when I took all that, uh, is is I just didn't care about my life. And I, I didn't really care if it continued or if it stopped. I wasn't necessarily trying to kill myself, but I didn't care uh, if my life did stop. So trying to find some sort of soothing, some sort of solution uh, to that problem. And uh, I think I remember that being like my first real prayer. And I remember saying, you know, that I love all these escapes more than I love you know, anything that anyone else or anything else has ever been able to give me. Uh, and I said, God, if you're real, then you know, you're going to have to do something for me. You're going to have to come in and, you know, take me out of this because I don't have the strength to take it, take, take myself out of it. Um, and the next day I got taken to jail, uh, was in there for five days. And for me, that was, that was kind of the sign, you know, that was, that was the way um, I was taken out of the situation. I remember reading the Bible. I think really for the first time, like intensively sitting down on it and reading it and trying to find something. And uh, and I remember it just for the first time making sense. And I remember weeping and coming home to my parents and apologizing for, uh, you know, years of rebellion and, and just bad things that I'd done against them. Uh, and got rid of all my old friends. I got rid of all those substances and just uh, began this journey of seeking truth. He went to jail for the use of a stolen motor vehicle. Macon allowed the Lord to use those five days to rehabilitate his soul. Once he graduated from high school, he attended Criswell College in Dallas to study theology. Happened since you've been gone. 
few years, he dropped out, got married, had two daughters, and pursued music. Music was something he grew fond of around the same time as his conversion. So I had lost all my friends. I uh, was really big into sports and had torn my ACL and really didn't have much else to do uh, and ended up picking up a guitar I started teaching myself a little bit. Uh, had some other family and friends teach me some things. Uh, picked it up rather quickly. Started writing rather quickly. And have just been going since then. I've been playing different shows whenever I could. I think my first live performance, I think, was in a church. And I think from there, you know, I started, moved up to Dallas, I think, in 2000 and... 2004 and met some some other musicians that I was going to school with uh, we did a couple of coffee shop shows together and after that I was hooked and started writing and learning new stuff and started trying to get shows as much as I could uh, I would say my sound is if I had to put it in a genre it's kind of folky bluesy and then once Alex and uh, these other producers, Lon, and all these dudes get behind it, it kind of it ends up sounding a bit different than folk or blues at all. But I think really more than anything, I just try to put my heart and soul behind it. So I would say in the end, it may skip around some genres, but I would call it soul music. The Alex he is referring to is rapper Alex Faith. The two met at a birthday party in Dallas, Texas. Their shared interest for music brought them together. Organically and instantaneously, the two started recording music together. Megan is the first artist signed to Mission House Entertainment, a record label and booking agency that Alex Faith co-owns. Megan Hatton's upcoming project, Memories, will be featured on Noise Trade's new and notable page. To find out how to follow him and stay up to date on his projects, Visit testimonystories.com. And forgiveness is a healer, but it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's far Testimony. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Connect with Testimony and Musician Story through social media. Find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at TestimonyStories.com. And I know 
Yeah, I know the summer's anger up in the world, and I know, see, I know, but see, as the sun is just like up and comer Macon Hatton, Saron Reed resides in Dallas, Texas, too. Saron was born Christopher Reed on April 23. 1992 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He has three older sisters and was raised in a two-parent Christian household. Although his dad is an ordained minister, he didn't grow up in the church. Well, it was early in the morning I could hear the father calling on me See, I was walking in the garden when I felt the spirit fall upon me and I just want it to be everything you need. Sleeping in the garden while the birdies sing to me. Dad was actually more so like, he's an ordained minister and been in seminary and everything. So he was like, we are the church. And, you know, um, he was more so based on like, you know, uh, knowing Christ for yourself. Uh, we did go to like youth events and stuff like that. If they came up or Wednesday night Bible study, me and my sisters would go. But really it was more so just kind of like, uh, you know, like practical lessons. But, you know, like being a young, just a, a young man trying to just grow up, trying to do right, you know, and, and having everybody else pointing you to do wrong. I just, I kind of just went on my own thing, my own path. When I was 14, I, I got saved um, out of a pray concert. <laughs> and uh, and this was before the play was, you know, the pray. This was like, there were only 14 people at a concert. And so I remember he gave a, a gospel presentation saying that Christ would take you as you are. And I remember like, I was like, wow, I didn't know that, you know, I mean, growing up, you know, I, I just never knew that. So it was like that night I gave my life to Christ, and I was like, man, I wanted to use it. But that was cool, but I had no discipleship, you know? So, like, the most discipleship I got was from listening to, like, um, the 13 Letters and from uh, Trip Leaves 2020, you know, just, just listening to stuff. That was the most discipleship I got, but, you know, like, there was still the world coming at me full force, and, I mean, I started smoking marijuana heavy at like 16 years old and um I feel like where I had a I had an influence in the Fort Worth area like people really started listening to my my music and I had um just different guys pointing me in the direction of doing secular music you know do do it for women do it for you know your own pleasures do it for this and uh I started following that and so it took me to a to a pretty a pretty, uh, a pretty dark place Parents were nurturing and instilled valuable life lessons into their kids throughout their childhood. By the time Saran was eight, he was working. He did janitorial work, cut yards, and by the time he was a teenager, he was working in the fast food industry. 
But despite his encouraging upbringing, Saran wanted to do what Saran wanted to do. Some people say my father would be a, a strict man because it's like we, I would pay rent. I was 16 and paying like, you know, like 300 some dollars for rent. You know what I mean? People were saying, that's strict and, you know, stuff like that. But for me, it, it was life message. Like my dad, um, he, he really wanted to instruct and let you know that, you know, that, that, that we have to grow up. You know, we have to uh, be successful in this life. But as we got older, you know, and, and temptation came our way, you know, being young, we wanted to do what we wanted to do. I wanted to get high, you know. I wanted to sing for women. I, I wanted that. And even though I, I had my father's instruction, you know, I wasn't seeking the Proverbs. You know, I, I was seeking the Trey songs <laughs> music. You know, I was seeking the... I was thinking the world, you know, that was my own thing. But nah, it was more so like sell weed to buy more weed, smoke more weed, you know, sell more weed. And we used to just do stupid stuff like, like I was a lookout while they were breaking houses and we just did some foolish stuff, man. But like the Lord always protected me through these things, man. And like, cause I, I knew I was different from everybody else. You know what I mean? Like I knew that God called me to something, that God had a plan for me and I, I was running from it, to be honest, you know, it's like, you, you can always tell when you're different. Growing up, I try to force myself to fit in a lane that wasn't mine. Such a sweet peace in my soul. A passion that I can't go. What I give to know you Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Everyone has a testimony. And we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Download the podcast of Testimony and Musician Story on iTunes. Find out how at TestimonyStories.com. A Musician's Story. This is Sharon Reed, and you're listening to Testimony, a Musician's Story. And remember, my friends, love, peace, revolution. Although he had given his life to God at 14, Saran struggled immensely with wanting to be of the world. A series of events would lead him to the path of the straight and narrow. The first will begin with him walking home early in the morning after working overnight at McDonald's. I got up at four in the morning and my boss said, you know, so I, you better watch out because there's these coyotes up there around. And I was like, mm, yeah, whatever, yeah, I, I ain't worried about it. So I, I get up, I'm walking, I light me up a little blunt or whatnot, smoking, walking down the street. 
And I'm just sure, you know, talking to one of trying to be cool. It's just late, it's dark, kind of creepy, but I ain't worried about it. Um, and I started hearing these footsteps behind me. So I turn around, and I'm like, what in the world? You know, I, I, don't, I think I'm tripping, so I'm like, well, this one's good. Let me, let me keep on smoking. So I just keep smoking, like, like just trying to whistle, play it off. And I hear, like, it sounds like something's like, starts running or whatnot. And so by then, I'm like, I ain't even looking back no more. I just take off running. So I'm spraying. I just keep on hearing these footsteps, like uh, like animal footsteps. And I knew it had to be like a coyote, but it sounded like a bunch of them running behind me. And all I could think about was that National Geographic when the lion's chasing after the zebra. And, and I was like, oh, snap. So I'm running. And I get to uh, this this light. Um, and so I run across the the light, and I look behind me, and there's like a little hill over here. And uh and it was three coyotes circling themselves, um, just staring down at me. I was like, oh, crap, like, these dudes are going to get me. Like, this is the end for you, boy. And this um, this car drives by, and I, and I wave him down. It's this uh, military dude. And he says, are you all right, son? And I say, no, no. I said, like, there's a coyote. He said, oh, come on, get in the car. And um, I get in the car, and he says, uh, and the guy says to me, he's like, um, you know, like, what are you doing out here this late? I said, I'm, I'm, I got off work or whatnot. He said, where are you staying? I said, I'm staying with this girl. And he was like, you know, he just starts encouraging me in the Lord and stuff. And, like, I mean, like, at this time, I'm like, I know I just got in my life. I know the right way. I felt like I couldn't get to it, though. But, like, that night, it just it challenged me. So I, I came home, and then I, I made a phone call, and I moved out to Dallas. I stayed with this lady and her family. And she uh, basically gave me a room, and she was a Christian. And she just brought me to church and just kept bringing me to church, bringing me to church. And I was still doing my own thing. And she tells me, go ahead and play the piano. I had a worship song that I used to play. And I played, like, the first three chords. And it was, like, just, a, like, something just broke off me. And it was, like, tears just flooded. And it was, like, it was like a sense of freedom. And, um, and the, the Lord was actually calling me. And, I, like, I was forgiven. And that was the start of, like, like a change that day. I was still smoking my weed. I was still doing my own thing, though, but I was still I was still trusting in God and actually, like, being more acceptable to him and wanting more of him. I went to this club on St. Patrick's Day. It felt like just like I wasn't supposed to be there. I leave. I go home that night. I say, look, God, I said, I want you in my life. I said, I want to get married. I want a wife and a child. I said, I want to have, like, there's a purpose. The next day, my weed buddy calls me and, hey, bro, you want to go to church? And I'm like, eh, why not? Let's go to church, man. So we go to this church, his dad's church, and there's this prophet guy who's supposed to be in town who's, who's um, uh, supposed to be preaching. And I'm like, I don't really believe in prophets. Yeah, whatever. Whoop -de -whoop. You know, you're going to say something just so you can get my money. I wasn't trying to hear it. And um, he comes up and he points me out and tells me to come to the front. And so I go to the front, and uh, and he starts telling me that uh, he said, you know, um, you do music and this and that and, and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can tell. He said, you know what? You don't believe me, so to get your attention, last night you prayed a prayer to God and asked him about having a wife and a child and wanting to uh, be close to them, and he said he's going to give you that. He said it's going to be in three years. He said, because right now, here's what's happening. God says you're doing music. He said you're getting fans. He said you're getting all these women to like you. He said, and you're going to be famous. And at the time I heard that, I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to be famous. He said, but you're going straight to hell. And he said, God says, if you just turn from your ways and just seek him and give him your life, you still have all the great things that are going to come. He said, but this, these things will have, we have joy because you'll be bringing people to my name. And, um, and then that day, I, I ended up moving to uh, a Pittsburgh like, a couple of weeks later, and I met my wife. We had a child. Um, I started seeking the Lord, and I've just been growing ever since then.
Saran grew up in a musical family. His mom was a recording artist, and his three older sisters had a group. Now he is doing his own thing as an indie artist. He recently released a reggae project via SoundCloud entitled Love, Peace, Revolution. Reggae isn't his only lane. His love for hip-hop and R&B will be showcased on his next mixtape. Find a link to Saran Reed's Love, Peace, Revolution at TestimonyStories.com. Thank you for listening to Testimony, a musician story. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.